This episode is brought to you by Podcast Go, which is a full-service mobile podcast studio that comes to you. Podcast Go takes care of everything from distribution on podcast platforms, digital art, video production, editing, and music. This is currently open to enterprise and medium-level businesses at the moment. Send me an email to get started, alamodigitalagency at gmail.com. Welcome to the Joshua Morales Podcast. We are good to go. You ready to go? Yep. All right, so we are here at Teddy Barbecue in Westago, Texas. I'm with Joel. Joel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of background, uh, how you got into this. Uh, we were talking off camera uh, about you were completely doing something different. Politics. Yeah, yeah politics <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> one of them. Thing. So tell, tell me about your experience leading up to here. Yeah, so um, I grew up in the valley uh, here in Westaco, um, and you know I, I was always around fire. Uh, it was always barbecuing on the weekends with my dad and family. There was always a special occasion we were celebrating, uh, even if there wasn't a special occasion. <laughs> so um, grew up around that and uh, always gravitated towards cooking. Um, so when I went off to college, um, my aunt bought me a pit, and. Uh, she, uh, it was just like a tiny pit from Academy, um, one that could pit on my patio. And uh, I started cooking, you know, ribs, chicken, um, cheap stuff. Uh, and then from there, we started kind of inviting people over every time the Aggies played because I went to school at AM. So uh, that's kind of where I like started like my first like initial cooks and stuff um but it wasn't until i moved to austin after i graduated uh and uh when i was there i was doing an internship like i said in politics um and uh always uh kind of trying to go back to cooking uh in my patio um but then in 2013 when my internship was about to be over uh we got a magazine in the mail from Texas Monthly, uh, and it was the top 50 joints in the state. Um, so we uh, said, you know what, um, let's go visit the, the ones that are in Austin. So from there, it was like, let's go visit the ones that are in East Texas, West Texas. And then we even came back down to the valley, and there was some in the valley uh, that we went to, uh, Vedas in Brownsville, and uh, a few others. Um, and from the travels and everything, uh, from there just kind of like sparked an interest uh, of you know what let's let's see if we can do this or let's see if I can get a job in barbecue. Um, but before that, um, we moved uh, to uh, we bought our own house in Maynard, um, and my wife bought me a smoker, and we started having just kind of like small backyard parties and inviting people and 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 they would come over and try our barbecue and we were we were calling it Teddy's barbecue at that point uh um so we uh we would invite them and they would come over and then from there it was like all right it was around 2015 that I got my first part-time job uh working in barbecue and I was working at a place in Austin called Cafe Mueller it was a it was a cafe in an HEB and uh and 
I was working there with a chef uh, that was really renowned from from Houston area. His name's Randy Evans, and he's kind of like the culinary director for HEB. Um, from there, HEB went on and like opened a whole bunch of barbecue places, and their HEBs around San Antonio, Houston. Uh, it's called True Texas Barbecue. Okay. Um, so. Uh, after I left there, I went to a place called Friedman's. Um, and when I was at Friedman's, I was working under a uh, really known pitmaster. His name's Evan Leroy. Um, he's got his own food truck now and everything. You know, he's got tons of accolades and all that. Um, and uh, I was working there at Friedman's for about a year or so uh, before I left. And my wife had our son. Um, but while I was working there at Friedman's, we were able to get a a top 50 recognition from Texas Monthly in 2017. Uh, So that was really cool. Um, And uh, for, you know, that was like my first like place that I worked at where I could say like, I helped accomplish something. Right. Yeah. So um, from there I I left uh, because uh, my wife was about to have our son in 2017. And uh, I kind of just started doing uh, little driveway pop-ups. People would come over to my house, and I would sell them a plate here or there. Um, and uh, we, uh, from from there, you know, I got the grand idea of, like, I want to work full-time in barbecue. And I went to the guys at Terry Black's, uh, which is another Top 50 joint uh, there in Austin. And uh, I told them, uh, you know, I, I'm ready to jump into this full-time. And they were, you know, gracefully accepted me. So uh, I worked the overnight shift there for about a year as well. And uh, from there, <laughs> last year, uh, I moved back down to the valley because uh, we wanted to be close to family. And um, we, uh, we basically just uh, uh, moved back down with the intention of opening this restaurant. And uh, that didn't happen. Uh, there were certain things that stopped us. Uh, but. Uh, we uh, got in connections with the owner of uh, what is now Smoking Moon and uh, kind of helped them open up their place uh, before we, we opened up Teddy's Barbecue. So that's that's where we are now. So, <laughs> so talk to me. I, I, obviously, you've been eating barbecue for a very long time. Which one has been your favorite? Um, you, you know, there's there's not like a favorite, like, joint that I go to that like does everything well there I think there's like different places that do like a couple things well um so your perfect plate what does it look like <laughs> a perfect plate yeah let me build it up uh, so <laughs> it's got uh Mickleweight craft meats they do these uh, jalapeno cheese grits uh you know that that's some really good stuff uh and then truth barbecue uh they do really good um what is it called corn pudding okay yeah so Mickleweight Craft Meats Grits, uh, Truth Barbecue Corn Pudding, uh, I would say Law Barbecue Ribs, um, and then obviously Franklin Brisket. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I still have yet to have Franklin. So when I was in Austin, I would see the line, and that's like the one thing that just turns me completely off. I was like, damn yeah. it, man, I don't want to wait. How long is that wait? Man, I, I think... On a good the, day. <laughs> on a good day, it's probably like six, seven hours. Damn. Yeah, people get there, and they're like at, at 6 a.m. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, I think one time, me and my friend, I think this was back in like 2013, we went and uh, got there at like 5 a.m., and we were second in line. <laughs> Shit. So, but then, you know, the place doesn't open until 11. So right. you're there waiting. The so w- what is it about that barbecue that that makes it so, I guess, <laughs> I why, I why are people waiting so damn long? <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's hype. Like, 
throughout the years that it's that it's been good, but it's just consistent. Okay. You know, it's 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 as good on Tuesday when you get it as it is on Sunday, and you can go in January and get the same barbecue in December. So interesting. Yeah. So um, I'm guessing like. I'm, I'm assuming in a barbecue joint, they come up with a recipe, right? And then that's that's it. Like it stays that way forever. Yeah, I mean they they're doing the same thing. Well, obviously they they tweak certain things to to cook barbecue better over the years. Um, but I'm pretty sure they're they're seasoning with the same thing that they started with, you know, in 2009 or whenever it was, and and they're probably you know. Well, the smokers have, have improved a little bit, but um, as far as, like, the recipes, yeah, they pretty much stay the same. I feel like, and let me know if I'm wrong, but people in your industry that are, are pit masters, once they find something that works, they just stay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's probably correct. Um, I... I think I'm always kind of just tweaking like little things here and there that people won't notice uh, as far as like the cooking the product, but right. like the way we're seasoning, the way that we're like wrapping and all that stuff and what we're saucing with and all that, it's, it stays the same because people will notice those changes real quick. No, definitely. <laughs> and I, I feel like you feel, build up that fan base based off of those flavors and yeah. people expect that. So uh, I think I was going to ask you is how much... Obviously, you, you've worked in these industries where they have some good accolades. They come out on, on uh, Texas Monthly, right? How many of them have you been a part of? Uh, I've been a part of uh, at least three. Okay. Yeah. So, like, other pit masters in the industry, what do they look like? to other pit masters like because I'm, I'm assuming like in, in my world right we look at marketing like these guys have certifications stuff like that so we, yeah. we put them on a higher pedestal right yeah what does that look like in your industry i think uh years in the industry is what people look at um obviously um accolades from texas monthly you know southern living puts out a list every year um there's just all kinds of lists and accolades that people get uh, but even just like good reviews from like local bloggers and like just stuff like that that I I look for in a place when I'm when I'm visiting um, but not only that it's just like word of mouth like is the most important thing and uh, and if someone tells me like you know this guy's really good like you know you should go try his stuff then I'm gonna do it right so this industry barbecue brisket specifically is pretty expensive yeah how do you differentiate how well I guess my thing is like uh, well, obviously I run a bunch of restaurants right so I yeah. read the reviews and one of the most things like it's too expensive it's it's too much and they don't want to go yeah how do you justify that versus going to a Burger King and or Subway and getting a six dollar sub versus a I think what people don't understand is probably like the process behind it. Um, so touch on the process then. So so basically, when when we get a brisket, um, let's say it weighs you know between 15 and 17 pounds. Um, after we we trim it, we we trim a certain way uh, so that it cooks a certain way. Um, every little inch of the brisket has to get a certain amount of smoke. Um, it has to get a certain amount of rub on everything, so that way it's seasoned correctly. Uh, so when after we trim. You're left with probably about uh, maybe like a 14-pound brisket, maybe maybe even 12. So you're losing already about five pounds. Okay. Right. So it's between three and five pounds. After it cooks, it loses half of its weight. Oh damn. So it, because what people don't understand is a brisket is almost 50% fat, like intramuscular like fat. Mm -hmm. um, so when it cooks, it loses a lot of fat, and that's what makes it juicy and and 
and fatty. Um, so after it's cooked, you're left with a product that's maybe like seven pounds. So you okay. start with a product that's like 17 pounds and you're left with a product that's seven pounds. So that's why sometimes you have to price things a certain way. And when your price of brisket keeps going up because chains like Subway and Arby's are buying up a bunch of brisket um, to feed their stores, um, that's why you have to sell it at, you know, $20, $21 a pound. Um, not only that, but, you know, the labor behind it, it right. takes at least 12 to 14 hours to cook a brisket, at least the way that we cook it. Um, the what's, what's a standard uh, length of time of cooking a brisket? It's about, you know, some people say like about uh, an hour per pound, mm. something like that, just depending on the, on, the, on the temperature that you're cooking at. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. We were talking about the, uh, the price per, per pound. I was uh, talking to the owner of Barbecue, mm-hmm. and he was telling me that last year prices skyrocketed for brisket. Yeah. And the reason was because like, like Subway was introducing like the brisket sandwiches and stuff like that. And he was telling me that he paid so much extra in brisket prices when he did the calculation, it was $160,000 that he could have made in his pocket that year. But the prices just skyrocketed. He's like, what do I do? Yeah. But he said he doesn't have the luxury of changing prices because you all can change prices anytime. Oh, yeah, for sure. So he has to have a set price. He's like, he's screwed. Yeah. (laughs) But coming coming from an industry like barbecue, is that something, is that a goal for for pitmasters that start up their own place to like become a, a big franchise or is it more of like like a passion type of thing where you want to see, you want to be in your business, you want to work in your business, you want to walk out of there with that smoky smell and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's, I, the goal here is not, not to, you know, make five, six stores or anything like that. The goal here for me is just, you know, I want to show what I can do because I'm passionate about it. Right. Um, and I think that's mostly what a lot of people go into. I mean, frankly, could easily... Uh, make, you know, six, seven stores across the country if you wanted to, but like he tells you, you know, it's hard to, to keep the product consistent. Right. And as as you grow and as as you as you make more more stores and, and franchise out and everything, I, I think it gets difficult to kind of duplicate what you're doing here. So in an ideal world, if you were to copy this Teddy's Barbecue, right, mm-hmm. and have it in five different places, how would you create consistency across those five? I think I would have to divide myself in five or something, <laughs> man. <laughs> I feel yeah. I feel like that. That's a, a lot of people are specialized in a lot of skills, right? So, yeah. for for me, example, like I like things a certain way, yeah. And I know I can do them pretty quick. I'm sure you're exactly the same way. You you oh, just yeah. know your business, right? Yeah, for sure. So it's very hard for me to be like, all right, well, let me get somebody on board and teach you, and then I'll be hovering over you and make sure you're doing it right. That's a hard part to like yeah. take away the reins. No, oh, I think that that and like I said. I, I worked at Smoke and Moon for a little bit, and that was kind of the challenge there, too, like trying to teach people how to do it, especially when they come from, you know, they, they've worked in kitchens before and they've worked in other restaurants, but with barbecue, it's it's a lot different uh, in a sense that, you know, you know why you do certain things a certain way, and it's hard to explain it to people sometimes. So explain to me one of those hard things to do that would be a hard thing to explain to somebody. Um, like wrapping uh, a brisket, you know, I would tell them, you know, let's let's wrap it when the bark sets right. Let's wrap it uh, when it looks like, you know, it's, it's, it's got enough color or stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, it, and sometimes it was hard for them to kind of, get to that point right 
And I feel like there's a lot of here in the valley, it's a regular outdoor barbecue. We're cooking over an open flame, so nobody really knows how to cook yeah. good barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the way that we were taught up there, up there in Central Texas, it was like, you know, they just kind of threw us on and they were like, you know, uh, this is what we want the end product to look like. And, uh, and, and this person's going to teach you how to execute it. But at the end of the day, like, it's your, your feel. Right. Um, you know, everything was pulled off by field. No, we didn't probe anything. We didn't like everything. We were we were hands on. Interesting. So, so so you can touch it and you can feel the yeah. bounce back stuff like yeah. that. Interesting. So coming from the barbecue background, well, actually, no, no. So you came from political background, and then you <laughs> you were talking about what was your degree in? My degree was in environmental science. So you touched on that a little bit. Yeah. So why barbecue? Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think I was always like gravitated towards cooking, and even in even in college, man, I I I worked like two or three jobs, and two of those were like working in a kitchen. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and uh, you know, I I I was always uh, cooking at home, and people were like, you know. You should go to culinary school after you graduate college. I said that'd be a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, after I moved to Austin, it kind of became more of a reality that I that I should kind of work in a kitchen because Austin's like a super like uh, culinary like diverse city. Right. Um, and and during that time, it was when barbecue was kind of coming up, and. You know, it had been like four years since Aaron Franklin has opened, had opened his trailer. So I was like, you know, I think, I, I think this is one of the things I want to go into. And, and uh, I pursued it, and it worked out. Do you think that everybody should go to college to pursue the education that they, they I guess, are born? Like, obviously, when you're growing up, everybody tells you you need college. You need college. You need to do this. You need to go there. Yeah. Do you feel like everybody should go to college and pursue that? Or do you feel like they should pursue their passion or a little bit of both or something? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, like, people should, like, quit a good job if they have it and, and pursue their passion. Uh, I listen to Gary Vee a lot. I don't know if you listen to Gary mm-hmm. Vee, but he's always talking about, like, how uh, you don't need college and how he's always said, like, you know, if, if there's something that you're passionate about, like, go and do it and this and that. Just just be happy. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, that's kind of what I was doing, was right. just just trying to be happy. Um, I was in a point in my life where I was, like, you know, working a desk job, always getting yelled at over the phone and, like, kind of just bosses on top of you, like, get your stuff done and this and that. And I didn't want to, you know, be in that environment anymore. So um, I... Uh, I just decided, like, you know, to take that job. And, Interesting. You know, and uh, I just did what was better for me. It, it wasn't necessarily better for my family because, obviously, it was, like, taking a pay cut, losing benefits, stuff like that. But um, for my mental health and, like, for my, like, work-life balance, like, it worked out better. So how, how, do, you, how do you balance that? Because, obviously, I'm married to have children as well. So when I was coming out of my dad owns a Dairy Queen and Mercedes, mm-hmm. so when I was like switching jobs, it was like 30. I was like, you know what? I, I would look out the window every day and I would be like, I never had a lunch break anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck, man, I wonder what it's like out there. <laughs> so when I started doing stuff on my own, I, I think it's worse now because I eat on the way to the next place. So I really don't have any lunch break, right? Yeah. But how was it with that leap 
coming from the family perspective because my wife was like well what are you doing like why are you leaving a job that you already have secure like you're gonna own it one day like what are you doing how was that conversation with your family well it was it was kind of hard like breaking into my parents like hey i'm gonna leave my like salary job that has benefits like you know what i mean like uh it was kind of hard when i was talking with them and when i when i told my wife i was like you know i it, it, we're gonna have less money we're gonna I'm probably going to, like, be a little bit more tired, but I'm going to be happy, and that's what matters to me. Um, and she she was super supportive. I mean, my wife, Bernardina, she, she like, you know, she was like, just do it. You know what I mean? I've been telling you for years, like, this is, if this is what you want to do. Just do it. Like, I'm not going to judge you. Like, uh, I know, like, we just had our son, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to work through it. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to find a way. We have to find a way. Like, yeah. this is what you want to do. Um, and my parents, you know, too, you know, I mean, they were like, well, you know, I, I think you'll be okay, mijo, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it was, it was kind of a hard jump to take because we, we owned a home, you know, we had a couple cars, we had, you know, just stuff that like, uh, that we had accumulated and uh, over the years. And it was just, you know, it was hard to, to kind of take that pay cut, but everybody was super supportive and they kind of knew like where I wanted to go with it. So they were like, yeah, if, if this is what you want to do, just do it. Yeah. So you had a vision for the future, of course. Yeah. Awesome. So I was, uh, I had a podcast with uh, Claire the other day, and she's a 20-year-old Gen Zer, and she's, she's going to UTRGV. Mm-hmm. And she, you touched on mental health. She touched on mental health, but from a Gen Zer mind frame, right? Mm-hmm. So you're a millennial. All right. How old are you? Uh, 28. So you're 28 years old. And you already understand mental health, or you understand some type of self-awareness. Yeah. I, I'm trying to talk about this more to make it less taboo, because I feel I've been seeing a lot of, like, suicides. A, yeah. lot, a lot of people just have negative connotations about everything, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how, do you, how do you, I guess, um, how do you introduce mental health for yourself? Because you touched on that. Yeah. But then how do you teach mental health, or do you, do you teach it to people? To be a little bit more self-aware. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I try to try to show my my brother, who's a lot younger than me. You know, I mean, like that. All that matters is is happiness, um, and, and and all that matters is that you're you're okay uh, inside and outside. You know what I mean? Like, um, and uh, because one of the things that like we kind of went through together was when he was he was going to culinary school up in Austin, and. Uh, and he was working alongside me. We were working at Friedman's at a barbecue place. And um, he, he was going through kind of some homesickness, I think it was. And, and maybe, maybe uh, just, I don't know. He was kind of sad. And, uh, but it was mostly because, you know, he was going to school. And after going to school, he was going to work. Um, so uh, he didn't really have any time to, like, socialize and, and do stuff like that. And, and he wanted to come back home. And I said, you know what, like, finish out your degree, like, and then, and then go back home. Like, if that's where you want to be, like, just, just do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and don't think about it twice. Like, you know what I mean? Because he was, I think he was kind of worried that we were trying to build up this business. And, and I think the plan was to, like, build it up in Austin. Okay. Where we were living in Maynard, which was kind of like one of the suburbs, and, and try to open up there. But um it didn't work out and uh and at that point you know i I was just i was worried about my brother and i was like you know just go home if that's what you need to do just go home and and that's one of the things i I still try to teach him and and even my wife too because 
uh, in the past year, like she switched jobs from from district to district, and and I said, you know, if you need to if you need to leave your job, like that's fine. Like if you need to, you know, quit halfway through, like just do whatever you need to do. You know what I mean? Whatever she needed to do was important. If she needed to leave her job, like in the middle of the, the semester or whatever, for her to do it, um, because uh, I went through I, a slight like depression uh, when I was uh, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, when I was working in a political office, um, I, was, I was going to work and uh, kind of just going home and going to sleep. And my wife noticed it real quick. Uh, and and uh, she was like, you need to do something with your life yeah. <laughs> other than like, you know, working in this office. Um, and that's when I said, you know what, I think I want to get this part-time job in barbecue because that's going to keep me busy. It's going to keep me like, uh, kind of slightly happy with uh, me pursuing this. Um, so uh, I, uh, I kind of had this breakthrough um, without having to have like any sort of like uh, medication or anything like that. So Right, so it's more following your passion, but you kind of already knew what you wanted to do, you just weren't doing it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I thought it was because something was like holding me back or like I just needed to spend more time with my wife or this and that, but she was like, no, like it, it, she even she understands like the, the whole like mental health aspect of it is like just do what you need to do to make yourself happy. I feel like a lot of people in this area actually they feel like uh, mental health like whatever we're really machismo we're really yeah. we're really prideful so they kind of just like throw it to under the rug and stuff like that but I feel it's a super important topic to talk about because I think at some point in everybody's life you go through those up and downs and it's like who do you talk to who yeah. do you go after and for your case, you had your wife with you, so you had that support, but a lot of people don't have that support. So I guess if, if you were to tell somebody some advice about if they're going through depression or, or some hard times, what would you tell them? Um, I would say just just keep on keep on going through, you know what I mean? Like it's it gets better, you know, if you find uh, a certain thing that you'd like to do or that uh, you like um that you want to pursue, um, just just do it. You know what I mean. Like, if if uh, if there's something holding you back financially or just stuff like that, there's always resources out there that'll that'll help you out. Like uh, to get through a certain like point in your life, um, there's always someone out there willing to help. Uh, just talk to people. You know what I mean. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are, are extroverted or introverted. And a lot of people struggle having those conversations with people. So yeah. I feel like, you know, you just need to do it. Just yeah. do it and get out there. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I, I was fortunate when I was in college. Uh, I kind of went through, like, uh, another thing where I was, like, kind of afraid, like, of the next step because I was getting ready to graduate. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Like, yeah. uh, and uh, I had to go talk to a counselor. And I was just like, I just, like, you know, let it all out. And it was... It was hard because, you know, at, at whenever you're growing up down here, they teach you like, oh, you know, men don't cry, like grown men don't cry, this and that. And, and I found myself like, you know, with the random stranger just like crying my, my eyes out, like yeah. just like talking to them about like how I've gone through college and like how I got through it so quick and like how I felt like I didn't have time to like have fun because I needed to get my degree so that I could like support my family and like help them out and like help myself out. And, like, yeah. it was just, I don't know. 
it was a time. How, how really did you hard. take that step? Because I feel like a lot of people, they literally will not go and seek out somebody just to talk to, even if it's a stranger, right? They're, they're obviously schooled for that to, yeah. to be able to talk to you. But I feel like a lot of people won't make that leap to go and actually pick up the phone and call somebody to actually just talk. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was just I I think there was people that noticed like people around me that noticed like, hey, man, there's something like you're, you're not OK. Like, you know, you haven't been yourself like this and that. And and they started talking to me and they're like, you know, like it, it's all right to talk to somebody about this. And, and it was just kind of like a, a, a support system there at like at A&M where people looked out for each other. Um, okay. And uh, but but I mean, if there's somebody like. I don't know, afraid to talk to someone like, I don't know, you, you don't even have to show up in person or anything like that. There's hotlines that you can call like if, if you're if you're, you know, suicidal or in depression or have anxiety or something like that. Um, there's always someone you can call on the phone or I think maybe even text. Yeah, that's that's interesting that, yeah. that those services are out there. Yeah, I feel like a, a lot of kids now that are growing up in this world where it's a social media first and these are your best pictures that you're ever, this is your best life on yeah. social media, which isn't true. I mean, I feel like they're growing up in this fake world. They're getting a fake, uh, I guess, perception of how reality really is. Yeah. So when they actually go out into the workplace, they get their, their teeth kicked in and like, shit, man, like, now what? <laughs> how do I deal with this? They never taught me that stuff. Yeah. So I feel like it's really important to have these type of conversations because I just joined TikTok. Okay. So TikTok... I started using it yesterday, and uh, the algorithm's really new. So it's like when Facebook was first starting. Uh -huh. So the organic reach is crazy. So I got a bunch of views on my first few videos. Yeah. I was like, this is interesting. So then I started seeing the people that were following me. I was like a little boy, dude. I was like, <laughs> all right. So it, it could be really weird that a 38-year-old man is on this platform, or I can use it to for motivational and, and positivity type of style, right? Yeah. So I, I'm gonna go that route on TikTok. I feel like a, like when you're in business, it's really boring and whatever, right? But mm -hmm. I'm trying to make it fun in the TikTok world, right? Yeah. But then I saw another dude, big old white beard, older man, and he had like 240,000 followers. <laughs> Just oh, wow. doing stupid stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do stupid stuff. <laughs> I'd rather do some type of motivation or, or positivity stuff. Because I'm seeing, like, these are little kids, dude. Like, yeah. they're, they're looking at us, act like dumbasses. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there has to be a better way. So I, 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 I'm approaching it from a motivational and positive standpoint. Yeah. But the business sense. But I feel like uh, I want to jump into social media now. Where have you seen digital media, social media go for the past few years especially with like uh like in your industry in the barbecue mm -hmm. world in the barbecue world like instagram is huge like uh, i think that's one of the things like people fail to understand like barbecue like like there's so many people that connect with each other on instagram uh just because like it's hard to share like all oh, this barbecue looks really good on like on like facebook right and, and uh i i I think Instagram, like, it's super easy just to take a picture, uh, share it on there, and uh, and just, you know, rack up likes, and, and it's easy to reach a lot of people if you put the certain, like, hashtags and stuff yeah. like that that everybody follows. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's where people kind of gravitate to when they, when they first, like, you jump into the barbecue, like, world. 
That's interesting. So your your heroes, or I guess your 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 buddies here in the in the Rio Grande Valley versus Austin, completely different cooking styles, or is it even different cooking styles within the regions? Yeah, I mean everybody in different regions cooks differently, man. Um, I mean everybody's using sort of different pits. Uh, over in East Texas, you'll find that they're cooking with a lot of like hickory. Uh, you know, West Texas, you find that they're cooking with a lot of mesquite. Even down here in South Texas. They cook with a lot of mesquite. In Central Texas, you find a lot of oak, um, post oak to be exact. So um, everybody's kind of using uh, uh, different styles of cooking as well. Uh, sometimes you'll find people cooking direct heat, which is just kind of like over coals. Um, sometimes you'll find people just cooking like on offsets. Some people have like automatic rotisseries and stuff like that. Can you so, taste the difference between each, each uh, uh, sure. style? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can taste the difference when, when it's cooked with a different wood. Um, you can taste the difference when someone wrapped it in foil or someone wrapped it in paper. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it just develops like a different bark. It develops a different flavor. Like sometimes it tastes kind of like roast beef or like I'm talking about brisket. To be yeah. exact, but um, like in, in East Texas, they have like kind of super sweet sauces and glazes that they put on like okay. some of the ribs and stuff like that. And um, West Texas, you know, you'll find like just different cuts uh, that they use up there. So, so a while back when I was uh, I was I was looking at barbecue stuff, the Traeger Traeger Grill, right? Or what is yeah, it? yeah, yeah, the Traeger. So they were saying that's not real barbecue; it's fake barbecue. Is is that like an internal thing in your barbecue no, world? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of people that are like against like trying to use something that's just kind of automatic or or stuff like that, but. In my opinion, like barbecue's barbecue, like whichever way you do it, like you know, if that if that's what you consider barbecue, like well then that's that's great, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not super judgy, or if I don't like something, I'm not like gonna put it out there or anything like right. that. But um, if if someone if that's the easiest way for someone to do it, then I'll you know you know I'll praise to them. But um, there's there's not a I don't think in a, a correct way to do barbecue, like. The way that we do barbecue is just the best way that we know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like anybody can become a perfection? Well, not perfectionist. Do you feel like anybody can can get to a certain level in barbecue just like right away, maybe six months out? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it takes time. I like with everything. I mean, it takes time. Uh, you got to cook a certain amount of, of barbecue in order to like figure out like, oh, this is a good like tenderness. This is a good like amount of smoke and stuff like that. There's so many variables, like just depending on where you live or, or where, you're, where you're sourcing wood from or what kind of smoker you're using. Like there's so many variables. Like Interesting. you can just, I don't know. To me, I, I can never like be happy with just one certain thing. Like I'm always trying to improve on little things here and there or trying to do you know, something a little bit better. What's been your biggest struggle so far coming up to now? Coming up to now is just kind of being patient, man. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's hard uh, when you're when you're working at a barbecue restaurant and like you're you know you're the lowest of the low. Like you don't know anything, and and people are like uh, trying to show you like oh, how to cook ribs or do this or do that, and uh, or how to even build a fire um, because there's you know there's different ways to build a fire on a certain pit and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, that's just been the struggle, like just trying to be patient with the process. Uh, Where do you see yourself in the next year? 
the next year, hopefully, like, you know, this place has kind of expanded, um, hopefully kind of grown. Um, our presence in, in the South Texas, like, barbecue scene has, has grown. Um, we, we don't have any plans to, like, try to make another location or anything like that um, within our first year. Uh, we're just trying to grow this place. Um, we're trying to uh, make it to where we're one of the better places in the valley. Um, and uh, hopefully make the top 50 list whenever the next one comes out. Nice. I feel like a lot of people in your industry that I follow here in the Valley, uh, guys that are making some really good barbecue, there's really no, there, there's an ego, but there's not an ego. If, if you understand what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what is it knowing these guys in the Valley that are producing these type of, of really good barbecue? Um, I mean, I think everybody just, I mean, I don't know. Like, when I first moved down here, I thought everybody was kind of, like, I don't want to say, like, an asshole, but, you know what I mean? Like, they they were, they're, like you said, there's kind of still an ego there. Um, everybody's in competition with each other. Like, mm -hmm. everybody just kind of feels like, you know, if somebody comes onto the scene, like, oh, that's bad for us. Right. And, and in my opinion, I think competition is good for everybody. You know, right. I think it makes everybody better. Um, but knowing some of the guys now that, that over the over the year, like, that I've been back here, um that i've come to you know know personally like super humble people like really nice guys um yeah you know fred robles to name one and he just won the american royal and yeah, he's, I saw that. he's owner of uh real valley meat here in wesico so you know like man one of the nicest guys like that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> you know that you'll ever meet dude like he, he comes in here uh, at least once a week and nice uh, and uh he he's a really cool dude um Barbecue Rich, uh, who has, you know, thousands of followers on Instagram and all he does is, is barbecue all the time, uh, um, is also like a really cool dude. Yeah. So what does that look like when y'all, let's just say hypothetically, y'all get together and, and join each other at a barbecue? Yeah. Who's cooking? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody, everybody's cooking at, at some point. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know if you know South Texas Outdoor Kitchen yeah. in San Juan. Uh, one of my buddies, Danny, he, he has a pop-up there every now and then, uh, and everyone just kind of always gets together, and, and we're always cooking kind of something on the side, um, a snack or something here or there. But he, he sells barbecue there as well uh, to some of his clients there in the area. That's so, awesome, man. Yeah. So obviously we talked about the, what you plan on doing in the next year. What does your five-year plan look like, or what does is, what is, what is your long-term goal look like versus after this first year? Yeah, long-term goal, I think, would probably uh, maybe be a second location. Uh, if not, you know, um, if, if, if not that, then we'll try to go maybe outside of the valley uh, with, this, with this concept. Um, I think uh, by then, hopefully, you know, my brother and, and my wife and everything will we'll kind of uh, take the reins here and I can go off and do something else. Um, but we have we have uh, other concepts in the works okay. uh, that we're working on, um, uh, not barbecue related. Okay. So, uh, but still in the food uh, and awesome. hospitality industry. Years ago, I had a, a buddy, and he he made some really good uh, brisket, and I had the idea of uh, 
it was it was damn good meat. That was the name that was called, right? Yeah. And it was gonna be vacuum sealed briskets that we sold uh, to HEBs, or we tried to sell to HEBs, right? Mm-hmm. So I we it just never got off the ground. Is that a hard concept to to do? Because I'm I'm assuming you have it on there for 14 hours, right? Yeah. You gotta let it cool, then vacuum pack it. Does it lose the flavor? Does it lose the moisture? How, how does it? No, I mean, there's there's been a lot of, I mean, it's one of the things that's common in Austin, um, at Franklin, or even at Terry Black's where I used to work. Uh, they used to vac seal briskets and sell them frozen. Okay. Um, so, so you can do it. I mean, we could do it out of here if we wanted to, um, but uh, to mass produce it, like to sell it to an HEB, like yeah. you're talking about, you know, they have hundreds of stores all over Texas. Yeah. So that's, uh, that would be something kind of crazy. Even just here in the Valley, like to distribute that here, like you would have to cook a lot of brisket man what what, what, what would that look like <laughs> uh i i think uh kind of the operation that like smoke and moon has in place times like three or four you know what yeah. i mean like you probably have to be cooking constantly constantly like chilling briskets vacuum sealing like it would be basically like a factory where That's you just cook brisket yeah then that would be hard because of, of the, uh, the sheer time it takes to cook a brisket period, oh yeah right yeah, for sure. You'd have to build up some inventory before you tried like to. And I would assume it. it would cost a ton of money. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that that would be interesting to to and see. That's why some places just do it out of theirs, out of their place. Like yeah. because even just like because I think Terry Black's uh, at some point had barbecue sauce in H E B, and uh, they had to go off and and find a bottler and like give them a recipe and say like reproduce this. And right. There was several times where they had to like retest the recipe or like redo it a certain way or like get it to a certain like cost because all, that's also important to make yeah. money. So um, that's one of the things that they went through. So my buddy, uh, Lamar, Lamar Jones, he actually has the jank. The jank uh, yeah. Have you tasted that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's from here. From yeah. He's from Wesico. He's yeah. Wesico native. He's a super cool guy. We actually have the same birthday. But oh, I always nice. run into him, and uh, we we always have this plan of working together. We just never work together. Uh-huh. But it's gonna happen one day. But I find that like these these people that like you and, and Lamar, they you're doing these things, and I I feel it's super important just to to get out there and just do it because everybody always talks about well I'm gonna do this one day, I'm gonna do this one day, and it never happens, and then it just keeps year after year after year keeps coming. And nothing ever happens. So, yeah. how important is it to be able to take that leap of faith and then just just do it? Yeah, I know. I I I think I've said it in the past that I didn't want to like live like with the what if, like what what if I had done this or what if I'd, I had done that or, or whatever. And uh, it's it's something that I I liked, something that I I pursued a, like a passion like grew over the years, and. Uh, and it's something that I, I couldn't like let go of. Like I wanted to be doing this all the time. Like I wanted to, uh, even when I was working in an office, like I was like, I can't wait to get out of here and just go and, and work at the barbecue place. Like, yeah. So um, it's just, it's important, man. Like, you know, just take a chance on yourself um, and, and just do it. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, not, it's not pretty, like the, the build up to it. Like you're gonna go through like a lot of struggles and, and uh, like, you know, even with this place, man, I mean, we, we took, took us like two and a half months to, to flip it, which it was already a barbecue joint. So it, it wasn't a hard transition. Um, so, but, uh, even then, I mean, we still went through some stuff like, you know, maxing out credit cards and, and, and trying to, 
trying to get a food service distributor and just stuff like that, that, that you don't think like is going to be difficult. Um, but, uh, you end up like, um, just like throwing a bunch of money into just to like pursue your passion pursue your dream. But at the end of the day, it like ends up paying off because people see that passion, uh, through your food. Right. So if you were to give a, a, a young guy that some, some heads up right now, so he wants to build a barbecue business as well. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? So does he does he work for a barbecue industry for five years and then start and then go that route or? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't always happen this fast for everybody. Like, I think it happened really fast for us um, because we came to a region where like this was like unfamiliar to some some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it um, So uh, we were cooking up in central Texas and, and trying to bring it down here. And people hadn't seen that style before. So I think that's kind of what the, what kind of, I guess, helped us along the way and, uh, and helped us get this place open like really quick um, because it just happened like I worked in the industry maybe like four or five years. But I was also really lucky like with the people that I met and the, the places that I got to work at mm-hmm. and the people that I got to train under. Um, but if somebody wanted to do this, like I would say uh, don't just like, jump at it and like from straight from your backyard to like selling your barbecue like go into the industry and like work like learn it from people learn learn it. it from someone else that does it and actually work in a restaurant because running a restaurant is not as pretty as it looks like uh i think uh will Godaro, which owns like one of the top restaurants like in new york city like said it best like he's like it it, it looks kind of like a fluttering swan like on the outside but mm-hmm. on the inside it's like a, like chaos <laughs> you know what i mean there's always something breaking uh there's always something that goes wrong like um so yeah i mean we we do a a good job at pretending that like everything is okay yeah uh, when it really isn't uh, it's like life <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so go work in a restaurant you know what i mean do 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 that for for a while and see if that's something that you really actually want to do um because working in, in the industry is not pretty it's long hours it's tiring especially barbecue man i mean you're you're i'm here i get here on thursday at three in the morning and i i leave probably like at eight o'clock at night whenever the briskets come off i go home take a shower go to sleep and then i have to be back here at three in the morning because yeah. you know people expect the barbecue to be ready yeah. by 11 in the morning so Damn. yeah i mean it's long hours dude so you know i mean work work in barbecue and actually work at a place like that does it like the old school way so that yeah. when you do go work at a place that does it like new school style like rotisserie maybe like you appreciate that right right yeah <laughs> that's funny uh so all the years in your cumulative years experience right what is the best piece of advice that you can give somebody or anybody um the best piece of advice um is to to just do it you know what i mean uh, just just go for it uh, if if there's something that you really like or really want to do um, just just do it Joel before we finish off the podcast I want to make sure that everybody can find you so where are you located what do you offer yeah we're located here in Westlaco at uh, 2807 uh, North Texas Boulevard um, you can uh, follow us on Facebook uh, Instagram at Teddy's barbecue um, and uh, we're open Thursday through Sunday from 11 a.m. until we sell out. So we make a limited amount of food every day and we sell out 
maybe like around 2.30, 3.30 every day. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, we're here in Westaco. Come check us out. We're making Central Texas style, like inspired barbecue. Um, so we, we serve brisket, um, pork ribs. We make our own sausage in-house. Um, and then uh, we also serve turkey, chicken. Um, on Saturdays, we make the big like beef ribs. Okay. Um, so, and then just like basic sides, uh, mac and cheese, cream corn, uh, potato salad, um, and uh, pinto beans. Awesome, Joel. I appreciate your time, brother, and uh, wish you good luck, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Welcome to the Joshua Morales Podcast.